0: that's Wonder made possible. Learn more at Evernorth.com slash Wonder. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Do you know everything? Are you the expert in everything your organization does? Even if you are, there are times when a situation is beyond you. In this episode, I'm going to show the benefits in listening to the people you work with to get the best outcome possible for you and your organization. And I'm going to do that while we watch one of the most infamous episodes of star trek's original series the fifth episode of the third season and the children shall lead before we dive in i want you to know that i never want to waste your time i know it's valuable and i appreciate that you choose to spend some of it with me so instead of doing my regular recap on this one i'm going to do this one in the style Brent Allen and I do on my other podcast, Babylon five for the first time, because here's the thing. This is an absolutely terrible episode of star Trek. I mean, it's really, really bad. the Worst episode ever, but we're going to have some fun with it. The Federation is all about exploration. The enterprise's entire mission is to do that, right? Seek out new worlds, new civilizations, all that stuff. Well, They also want to learn as much as they can about what they find, too. When they find the planet Triacus, that's exactly what they did. They sent a team of scientists to live there so they could study it and do all the science things the Federation does. Because they're living there, they've got their kids with them. And what could possibly go wrong with that? As if the episode were reading my thoughts, we dive right in. The Enterprise has received a distress call from the planet. Responding to a distress call from our scientific colony on Triacus. And they send a team down. That team is, as it always is, the most senior people on the ship. Captain Kirk, Commander Spock, and Dr. McCoy. And they find a horrifying scene when they land. All the scientists laying on the ground, dead. McCoy examines and says it looks like it was a mass suicide. Now you'd think... The kids would be all broken up about this, right? Well, you'd be wrong. They're having a great time. Bring around the Rosie, pocket of thosey. Kirk has him beamed to the ship while he and Spock continue investigating. Nurse Chapel is a cool babysitter. Adventures in babysitting. She's getting the kids ice cream, playing with them. After Kirk comes in and lays down the rules, though... This fun game starts to take a turn. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> busy, 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 A series of weird things start happening across the ship. Sulu sets a course for Marco's Twelve, but thinks he believes that he still has the ship in orbit, and everyone else on the bridge is thinking the same thing too. He sees Triakis on the screen. He thinks he sees it. Well, turns out the kids that came onto the ship are in some cult kind of a thing only in this cult the leader seems to be like a real angel or something kirk eventually calls it gorgon but the kids the kids can do a chant that makes it materialize and then it tells them what to do hail hail fire and snow. call the angel we will go his sales pitch is pretty simple he's going to rule the galaxy while well, the kids get to play If anyone gets in their way, the kids can induce paralyzing levels of anxiety in people that ultimately leads them to take their own lives. The kids are on the bridge, and the crew is in a bad way. Sulu sees swords flying at the ship in space. Nico and the Sword of Light. He's afraid that any deviation in course will kill everyone. Uhura is afraid that she's dying a long, slow, painful death for a little while, Even Kirk is hit with this. His greatest anxiety, apparently, is acting in community theater while delivering nonsensical monologues about losing command of the ship. I'm losing command. I'm losing my ability to command. Well, if you've ever watched Star Trek before, you know this isn't gonna fly with Kirk. So with the help of Spock, he sheds his anxiety and is on a mission to shut this dude down. Spock digs up some archival records that Kirk thinks will help. The kids all get together, and he plays home movies of them playing with their parents and having a good time. They begin to understand what has happened, and they start to process their grief. This pulls down whatever deception Angel Dude had going for them. As they stop believing in it, fades away to nothingness, and the day is saved. All right, we can help them now. The Enterprise heads off to Starbase 4, where they can make taking care of these kids somebody else's problem. Kind of odd that we get two back-to-back episodes that are the fifth of the third season but also happen to be episodes dealing with children processing grief it's heavy stuff but it's not nearly the focus in this episode that it was last time in the bonding this episode was absolute total hot garbage it makes almost zero sense and is really difficult to get through which is too bad like, after going through that recap, I feel like somewhere in all of this was a decent concept for an episode that that just never got fleshed out. I'm gonna share some of what went wrong in the production of this one, but, but what I'm really excited about is getting to tell the story of some of the kids in this episode. A few of them go on to do epic things in Star Trek, and at least one, one of them transcends some fandoms. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support this podcast. Is this a good time to talk about Star Trek's third season? I think it might be. I won't get into too much detail. A lot of this is really well documented. It's well known. But I think at a high level, it sets the stage for what went wrong in this one. The show is going to get canceled at the end of its second season but a letter writing campaign saved it, but also kind of put it on life support. They cut the per episode budget by about $10,000. That's a lot of money. Some of the spirit and lifeblood of the series in Gene L. Coon and DC Fontana left the production altogether and Gene Roddenberry even stepped back. So the show was left with all of the actors and almost none of the passion or the creative juices that had kept things moving enter and the children shall lead. Experienced writer Edward J. Lasco took one of his earliest stabs at sci-fi with this one and probably probably started out with a pretty good idea, probably. But like many episodes of the original series, it went through a bunch of rewrites and edits and well, here we are. Add to that some super questionable casting and we're ready for this roller coaster ride. You see the evil angel dude, Gorgon was played by a guy named Melvin Belly. If you don't recognize that name, it's likely because he did most of his performing in the courtroom. He was known as the King of Torts and infamously represented Jack Ruby in his trial for the murder of Lee Harvey Oswald. Little bit of trivia there, Belly represented him pro bono. He didn't charge him anything. Well, he got this role because his kid played one of the children, and the producer thought it would be a good idea. It was not. You have done very well, my friends. Roddenberry came in and saw some of the dailies of his performance and had a pretty brilliant idea of using lighting effects and some voice distortion to camouflage his inability to act. But the kids? Honestly, the kids did a pretty great job. They all had speaking parts and did really well with them. The older kid, Tommy, was played by Craig Hundley, who later went by the name Craig Huxley. He played Peter Kirk, Captain Kirk's nephew, in the first season episode, Operation Annihilate. In a very cool sequence of events, he went on to study music and invented a brand new musical instrument. He called it the Blaster Beam. Now you know this instrument as the sound V'ger makes in Star Trek The Motion Picture. From there, he performed music on Star Trek 2, II, 3, and even was credited for his work on Star Trek 4. Another one of the kids went on to have a notable career as well. This is the one that transcends some fandoms. The little kid, Ray, was played by Brian Toshi, who went on to play Takashi in the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Takashi, Toshiro, Ahisa. Uh, yes, but these poor, poor kids. Some of their lines were just weird, and the acting they had to do was rough. They kind of mind-controlled some of the crew and really agitated their deepest fears and anxieties. But how did they do that, you ask? Well, I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. They just somehow connect to some power that does this to people? Somehow Palpatine returned. But the way they had them do it, like physically? Oh, it was so bad it was so bad so awkward they did this weird pounding motion with their fists and like the crew the crew could just see them see them doing it they're just standing in the middle of the bridge doing this really almost inappropriate pounding motion while stuff all goes haywire it was bad and they did it so much like if they pulled all the weird pounding motion scenes out of the episode it would be like 20 minutes shorter. But this one really kind of swung for the fences like this episode did as far as its concepts and its ideas went. It wasn't super clear because the editing of this one was a dumpster fire. But the impression that I got was that this Gorgon dude was supposed to be the embodiment of fear, anxiety, of existential dread. I'm getting a feeling of anxiety in this place. We got one scene of Kirk and Spock in the cave in the beginning of the episode talking about this and then never, never really revisited it. That would have been a good compliment to some of the super, super dark stuff they just kind of nonchalantly tossed in. See, there's this scene where Kirk wants more security, yes, red shirt security, to go down to the surface and investigate. He and Spock beam them down, but what they don't know is that they are light years away from the planet at this point. That is, until they do know they aren't orbiting the planet anymore. If we're not orbiting Triacus, and the men I beam down are dead. Oof, that's dark. But I have to say that one thing this episode did extremely well was talking about the need to feel, experience, and process our emotions. We talked about this in some detail in the last episode, episode 72 of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, where we watched TNG's The Bonding. They don't spend nearly the amount of time on it in this episode, but they sprinkle it in throughout fairly early in the episode. McCoy says, but his medical officer, I must warn you that unless the normal grief is tapped and released from these children. You are treading dangerously. Kirk just wanted to get to it, right to the facts. But way back in 68, the doctor knew they needed to take some time. Let the children process what they were feeling. Hey, (laughs) maybe someday the rest of us will get that too. The episode ends with the kids having broken the spell. And they broke it by coming into contact with their emotions. Pretty cool. Dr. McCoy puts the point on this one as he comes onto the bridge. They're crying, Jim. I don't know how it happened, but it's good to see. Command codes verified. The parallels to the episode where we watch TNG's The Bonding stretch well beyond the theme of processing and experiencing grief. We also get a wonderful example of a leader being the culmination of the team's expertise. In fact, what we see in this one that I'm going to help you apply in your day-to-day is a leader allowing an expert to be the expert and to let them guide your decision making. I'm also going to talk about the importance of acknowledging the emotional charge behind people's arguments and objections to situations and direction. And then I'm going to share how to do that with the people you work with. Cut the gloves, brushes, Come to grass is fun. Come right now, go walk, run. Hi, this is Jeff Aiken from the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Most managers and leaders think that leading their team is all about task management and results. But the truth is, effective leadership starts with people first. See, the workforce is changing quickly, and most managers aren't prepared. They're stuck in an archaic leadership style that doesn't work anymore. As a result, their teams aren't giving full effort and they're losing good employees. That's where I come in. Through the approach and style you've come to expect from the Starfleet Leadership Academy, I can help you become a galaxy-class person-first leader. All of my consulting packages include dedicated, one-on-one time with you or your small team. I've helped thousands of leaders with the lessons from this podcast. Imagine the results and impacts you'll experience with my personal attention. If you're ready to take yourself and your team to the next level, visit bit.ly slash SFLAConsulting to learn more and schedule a meeting with me. That's bit.ly slash SFLAConsulting or click the link in the show notes. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. This episode paints a situation many of us have found ourselves in before. Sure, you know your stuff, right? You know it really well. Someone higher than you in the org chart either asks your opinion on a thing that you know really, really well, or you see them trying to do a thing. And you know, it's not going to end well for them. I think of Daryl watching Michael Scott, try to drive the forklift in the office. Daryl, Daryl's good at his job and knows how to run operations. But this guy who happens to have a title comes in and starts thinking they know a thing, they end up making a huge mess for everyone. Mike, stand clear, Mike, get off of the lift way back. When I worked in HR, I ran into this. The CEO of the company wanted to add some provisions to our criminal history check processes that would would basically screen out any person with a criminal history. And that, for the record, is not a good thing. And it does nothing to protect people or their data at all. It only creates a barrier to people getting work. She brought this proposal to me and asked my opinion on it. I've shared on here before, I've done extensive work in the background check industry. This is something I know a lot about. In fact, I've written and passed statewide legislation in this area. So you'd think between my expertise and the fact she was asking my opinion that it would carry some weight, right? (laughs) Wrong. I remember saying to her, I didn't think it was a good idea. And, And here's where I went wrong. Then saying, this is what I said to her, right? Now I'm not an attorney, but I think this might actually be against employment law. She actually slapped the table and reminded me that she was an attorney and that she needed to see a proposal on how to make this happen. She wanted me to draft the policy and the procedures and then identify what laws they intersected with. So she could work with a lobbyist to try and change them if needed. So why even ask my opinion? It's been almost a decade since that happened and it still gets me mad. The wild disrespect that showed is almost unimaginable except it happened. And it does happen to a lot of people every single day. When we hire people, I've always assumed that we're hiring them for their experience, their knowledge, how they can help us do our work and enrich our culture. Do you agree with that? Right? Does that track? Have you assumed the same because actions like this, Make me think that some people are just hired to do paperwork and agree with the boss. Why call the job business analyst when it's really just Yes Man? I'm a PDQ-88B Securitron, but you can call me Yes Man. Fortunately, we get a clear and excellent example of the opposite of that in this episode. Within seconds of the show open, Kirk is out of his league. There's mystery around a bunch of dead scientists, children, Running around and playing games, an overwhelming feeling of anxiety and barrels full of untapped grief and sadness. As the achiever that he is, he wants to get to the bottom of this right away, and the fastest way to do that is to question the children. Sharing that with Spock and McCoy, our good doctor tells him that that would be a terrible idea, nearly catastrophic. They need time. They need to have a chance to experience their grief. Kirk's response, it's kind of beautiful. I'll be guided by that opinion, Doctor. That honestly is the best thing he can possibly do. And he does more than just be guided by it. Throughout the episode, as things get worse and worse, he's tempted to sit the kids down, shine a light in their face and just rip into them. You don't fool me for a minute. I'm glad I think everything you said is a lie. But he reminds himself of this, and McCoy does a few times as well. And because he listens to McCoy, he listens to his expert, his SME, if you're into the jargon, right? That's subject matter expert, BD dubs. But he doesn't make that dire mistake because he listens. What's great about all of this? is that he so very much wanted to do what he wanted to do. He was convinced that he was right and that if he could just question these kids, he could get to the solution. And even with that, he listened and followed through. Kirk understood that he didn't know everything, that no one single person knows everything and that we have to rely on the knowledge of others to get the best outcome. Oh, Kirk gets it. In our world, he's the person that actually hired his team for their experience, for their expertise and their knowledge. And then he let them use it. Imagine you have a team of five people. They have varying levels of education, but they have a lot of experience. Let's say that one has been doing the job in the industry for like 10 years and the other one, some 18 months, everyone else is somewhere in between. That's a lot of knowledge, a lot of know-how on that team. And then you come in never having done their job or maybe having been out of that work for a couple years and then you, you are going to tell them what to do or ask their opinion and just ignore their opinion or worse, just ignore them completely and do your own thing. I can't even imagine it. Like it's wild. Not only are you disrespecting, even insulting each member of that team, but you're missing out. On the best outcome that you could get. In fact, in fact, I'll even go so far as to say that you're not even getting you're not even getting a good outcome. It's a huge waste of resources to even hire these people. If you want paper pushers and yes men, what a good idea. Say that's what you want. Hire and pay accordingly, or or go all in. Hire people for what they bring to the table, and then let them bring it to the table. Not only will your outcomes improve dramatically, but your culture and things like retention, engagement, those, those will all improve as well. Now you're seeing it right now with me, but people can get really fired up about some stuff and some of it makes some sense. And well, some of it really doesn't like politics, I guess quick aside that might honestly alienate some people, but, but I get really tired of a lot of the political back and forth anymore. I mean, yeah, at the federal level here in the United States, the president and the people in Congress and all that, yeah, yeah, they do things that impact our lives. For sure, no question. But the way people get mad and passionate and honestly just freak out about the stuff that goes on there, you'd think that every little thing they did impacts every microsecond of our lives. But frankly, that's just not true. Now, we have had some absolutely terrible presidents and a few that were, you know, kind of sort of a little okay, but from term to term, regardless of how big the change between the people happens to be for the average person, we're all just maybe a little more bitter and a little more broke, but you know, what really impacts your day to day and your wallet It's your state and your local governments, high sales tax, ridiculous gas taxes. That's usually your state legislature, Stop signs in weird places, potholes littering the streets, no affordable housing. Rent, it's too damn high. That's your local, your city government. But with few exceptions, people aren't losing their minds about the actions and decisions of these politicians. No, we're worried about a thing a congressperson said or a tweet the president sent when state and local governments are controlling billions of your dollars and making it harder for you to drive and see your grandkids quick story back in 2020 i ran for local office it was an experience i'm glad to have had but i'm also very thankful i lost the election you see the city i live in needed some real leadership you know i think this is fantastic you know i was once the governor of california and now i'm here putting my name behind jeff for city commissioner we just recalled our mayor and we're struggling to respond to the covid requirements from the state You'd think the press and the residents would want to talk about those things, right? Well, once again, you'd be wrong. The number one question I was asked while running for this non-paid, non-partisan position was who I was going to vote for for president. Like, they might as well have asked me if I preferred soft or crunchy tacos for all the bearing that was going to have on my ability to do the job. But, but I digress, I'm sorry. See, see, I can't even introduce the topic here without emotion influencing me. And this happens in our family and work lives all the time. We have things, our colleagues have things that are emotionally charged for them. It could be it could be a project someone is championing. It could be how your company is handling hybrid and remote work arrangements. It could be how the break schedule is figured out. It could be literally anything. All of these things have objective, logical merit and are often worthy of discussion and debate. But when our emotional charge behind our positions is left unchecked, unacknowledged, and unregulated, we often find ourselves in the workplace equivalent of a shouting match. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. See, these emotions are real. And if we don't identify and acknowledge them, they are going to come into play. That's a thing about emotions I've learned, the, the the hard way in a lot of cases, but those emotions, they will come out 100%. They will come out. The only question is whether or not you have the emotional intelligence, the self-awareness, the self-regulation to be intentional about those emotions. Spock, Spock calls us right out in this one. He says, humans do have an amazing capacity for believing what they choose and excluding that which is painful. We often allow our emotions to cloud any objective or logical point, especially if they're contrary to what we're feeling. The challenge in this comes from ourselves, but we can help others with it as well. Yes, it is up to us to have the self-awareness to know when our emotions are driving us and then have the self-regulation to keep those from dominating our thought processes. But we can help others with this as well. With emotional intelligence, we also bring in empathy, right? So we can bring that in and we can demonstrate real compassion. When you're talking with someone, having a discussion, a debate, maybe even an argument, and you observe that the other person is focusing on their emotional response, you can help them. I want to share three techniques that can be used either on their own or together that can help show empathy so the person's emotions can be acknowledged, allowing you to focus on the matter at hand. First technique, be an active listener. This means actually listening, right? And not just planning your next response or statement. You need to ask open-ended questions and give time for the person to think and respond. I like to use mirroring. This is a technique I talk about in both the 66th and 71st episodes of the Starfleet Leadership Academy. But this is where you listen, and mirror back what the person has said. Maybe repeat back the key three to five words that a person said that sums up their statement. Technique two, provide support, often with a physical response. Now this can be challenging because you have to be able to read what is happening. This is another dimension of emotional intelligence, your social skills. A supportive physical response can range from a facial expression, closing your eyes and slowly shaking your head, for example, uh, all the way can range to, to a hand on the shoulder and all the way up to, to maybe a hug, but, but word of advice, never, ever, ever hug someone without first asking if it's okay. Right. And if you're in a workplace, generally just try to not hug each other. Okay. But for me and for many, many, many of you, most of our interactions these days are online, right? Teams, zoom, Jitsi meet. I love this because it helps narrow the options on that range for me dramatically. It becomes more a question of my facial expression or my body language, as opposed to how am I going to possibly make physical contact with this person? Well, either way, when someone shares an emotion or is behaving in a way that is guided by strong emotions, I'm, I'm thinking here of someone yelling, for example, right? A shrug or reeling back in your chair a little can have a big impact. The third technique is to openly acknowledge their emotions, just saying it and then letting them sit in that for a moment, maybe even sitting in it with them, right? Joe, that sounds like it made you very angry. This lets Joe either correct you or it opens the door to having a compassionate discussion around emotions, making it a challenge to communicate or an even better, more eloquent example. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. As you acknowledge your emotions, as well as the emotions of others, it kind of it kind of clears the table and allows for a real discussion on the matter at hand. A key point to know here, this does not happen all at once. This isn't a check-the-box activity. In fact, the example I'm going to share in a moment is great, but also very unrealistic in that it immediately changes everything. I've had a number of these conversations where either the other person or I or me, were are stuck, right? We're unable to get past our emotions. I use my emotional intelligence and they listen with empathy and we end up in a good place, right? But one of the two of us isn't quite ready to move on and get to the thing. We may need to come back to it. And that, that is okay because the next time We'll both be ready to jump in and get to it. So my example here is from the episode. You see, Kirk has figured out that this Gorgon dude is scared. He's frightened, and he's using the children to shield him from reality and to do his dirty work. Kirk tries to use this as a strategy to break down the kid's loyalty to this Gorgon guy, but it backfires. He's not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid of anything. Their emotional response bolsters Gorgon's emotional approach, which stops Kirk from making any progress. Now, Kirk kind of skips through all the empathy techniques and the emotional intelligence and jumps right into rubbing everyone's noses into reality, which, I mean, yeah, that has its place, but it should definitely be a, that should be a last resort option for you. But he brings the Gorgon's fear into the open. It's acknowledged by everyone, and they lose faith in him, leading to him awkwardly melting. I desperately hope you never have to make anyone melt. But in acknowledging your emotions and the other persons, you'll be much better suited to dive in to the task at hand. So remember, technique one, be an active listener. Two, provide support. And three, openly acknowledge the emotions. One or more of these techniques can make a substantial impact on having more productive interactions. Hey, I want to share a cool YouTube podcast with you. It's called Cloud Conversations. Now, it may sound niche, but their approach is amazing. There are quite a few hosts that share the duties. Peter, Azure, Femka, Kat, and Rue. They don't only dive into Microsoft 365 and security conversations, but they also connect viewers to the people behind the technology. I really appreciate the times they talk about mental health and the impacts that their work has on it. Also, Peter happens to be a huge Star Trek and Babylon Five fan, which puts anyone pretty high up on my list. Check him out on YouTube, Cloud Conversations, and on Twitter at CloudCons365. And hey, while we're talking about social media, you can also find me there. I'm on Twitter at SFLA Podcast. And you can follow me on most other social media at Jeff T Aiken. That's Jeff T, as in Triacus, A K I N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. Wow. Honestly, this might be more than a coincidence that I'm sharing my buddy Peter's podcast that talks about Microsoft 365. See, I have an Excel spreadsheet that randomly generates the next episode that I'm going to watch. And for the third time in a row, we're watching the fifth episode of a third season. Hmm. Well, this time, this time it's the Voyager episode, false prophets. And I am so excited for this one. This is part two, kind of to a next generation episode and part two, kind of to a Starfleet Leadership Academy episode. That means that you have homework. Go check out the 19th episode of this podcast where we watch TNG's The Price to get the prologue to the one we'll be talking about next time. False Prophets introduces us to some Ferengi in the Delta Quadrant. Does that prompt some questions? Well, it should, and we'll answer them right here. But until then... Ex Astra Scientia! In the 30th episode of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, Discovery, Choose Your Pain, I talked about the incredible performance review that Saru set up for himself. Now, there's a tool that enables you to do the same thing for yourself and your teams. For your free copy of this tool, visit starfleetleadership.academy and join the mailing list. You'll not only get a free copy of this incredible tool, but you'll also hear about other cool things going on with the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Visit starfleetleadership.academy today and get your free copy.